converge to something that Pew Bible is a world that we do not want it to be. Our sermon lesson is I can tell you that the power of prayer has the ability and power to change things. God is at work. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? So if you feel your heart in any way troubled, fools, what you sow will not come to life unless it dies. Just let God and as do for the what you sow, listen only you do not to sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed. Um, perhaps will raise a wheat up or some other grain. The leaders we need for the um, church of tomorrow. And it continues, but God and for each and every one here today, he has chosen their special needs each kind of seed spoken on to its own body. Family members that are away, in situations on that just on verse forty-two on the next page. And so it would, and so it is with the resurrection of the dead. Um, is sown as perishable, is working in what is raised is imperishable, what so is sown in our hearts. In dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is Dear sown as we gather here, it is raised in power, we gather that it is sown in physical body, look out in the spiritual body, it seems if there is a physical body, there's also a spiritual body, Lord, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became These a should be the best being, times. the last Adam shall become a life-giving spirit, but it is not the spiritual world that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. First man was from the earth, the man of dust, the second man is from heaven, yet in the midst was the man of dust, so that those who are of the dust, as is the man of heaven, so are those who are relationships with one just as we have the love born the image of the man of dust, we will also Lord, as we bear gather the here, image of the man of heaven. Knowing we cannot what I am saying, brothers and sisters, is do not this. have the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But you have nor does everything we need inherit to not just survive, but to thrive in midst. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may see Lord, when in these scriptures in our families a way of guidance start in the today. steps that we take in, in our every spiritual family life. here in Spring Hill. Let us know, oh Lord, that what we are about is very important, not just to our life here, but the life they to belong come. to the family of God. Everything we do let them know that this family is, is eternal in heaven. And our we destiny and our families are part of that great Lord, let us family. claim this Lord, let us know our faith let us claim the second Adam. Though we may draw that you call us to understanding and in Jesus' love holy and sweet name, we pray. Let us know that Amen. faith is not this has been quite a week in many, many it's ways. Your faith in this us. morning there was a knock on the door. About Lord, four let us be a people to help someone that ran into that the ditch here on Spring Hill Church Road. Love. And we, as a church, who sacrifice personally and are now on their way after to love another. After a morning adventure in that great and golden And rule. it's amazing when you get up that early, you start thinking of things. Showed us. I have to tell you, the neighbor. sermon started changing a little bit from what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the theology of how we're called to be mortal beings and how God, he raises us up and you shows us love here point. so we can love and hold and when we reach heaven. We're praying but for this morning has opened my eyes to but even more things. We're expecting miracles. There is a ripping, tearing apart that is occurring right now as I'm Mentioned in the pastoral that prayer. we may be your people. It is a asunder, the veil of tears, is what it's called. Let no man put asunder, I say, in the wedding the ceremony about marriage and these young couples and others that I marry. And Lord, we let pray it be there will be no division. We may be weak. Yet we live in a world that is trying to divide us. We may be able to trying to divide us from our God, trying to divide us from our family, and trying to divide us from even who we are. Amen. Ourselves. So what do we do in the midst of such a troubled time when so many voices are being heard? The other day, I uh, understand, uh, in fact, it was yesterday, there was a protest in Chapel Hill 
not the game that they had, but there was a protest over by where the statue used to stand. And both sides were there. One side was about their Southern heritage. The other side was against racism. And for some reason, everybody that came to this protest brought a megaphone. And they all were screaming at each other with megaphones. And they showed the news, and it was incredible. And you had one group screaming with a megaphone, the other group screaming with a megaphone. And it was so obvious, it was just so obvious, yet the reporter didn't say it. The people there, I don't know if they don't have the capacity or they're just deaf, I don't know. But nobody was listening. You know, if you need a microphone, it's usually so people will hear and listen. And they were screaming at each other, and they're so divided about things that really make no sense. And what's causing this? Why is it right now? Lord, we got the internet. <laughs> we got big screen television. We got cars that are more advanced in computer science than I knew as a boy. We got rocket cars. Some of you got real nice cars. I got a pickup truck, and it's pretty nice. Though I don't have a backup camera, I gotta tell you that, I don't have that, I want one, I wanna see what's behind me. That's why I got a mirror, but uh, see, why are we so troubled? We got fast food, we got Ron's barn up here, my Lord have mercy. We got cooks in this congregation that have fattened the preacher and thinned the preacher all at one time with butter beans. That's a good diet, by the way, just all butter beans. Why is it we're so divided when we should be together? It doesn't make sense. And I think the answer is found in this uh, scripture that it describes the nature of what really is going on. See, you want to know when people are most divided when they go to Disney World. As soon as they get in through the gate. This one wants to go here, and this one wants to go there, and this one wants to go here, and this one wants to go there and everybody's trying to go their own direction. Sisters and brothers, if anybody ever goes to Disney World with me, we go in my direction, one direction. I'm gonna set the course, we're going straight to the teacups because there's no action on earth like the teacups at Disney World. You get in that teacup and you spin that thing a little bit slower and you look and you're just so happy. That's the only ride you need at Disney World is the teacups. Some of you going, that's, that's not fun, preacher. I don't, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> I'd rather go with somebody else. In this scripture, Paul is describing how we are to be a resurrection people. To be a resurrection people, we first have to be able to be resurrected. In other words, we got to be able to die. Are you able to die? This morning, I died a little. I did, standing there with a flashlight on Spring Hill Church Road. You wouldn't believe the traffic comes by. I ought to put a toll out there. I've thought about it. We can make good money in this church. We could build a building and more. Lots of people come through Spring Hill. But I died a little this morning. I died as I stood out there and I looked at the road and the people coming back and forth and trying to help somebody out of a ditch. And we helped them as a church because we are the people of God. And I want you to know that as I was there, I was thinking about being a resurrection person means I've got to be able to die to something and to die for something. So what do we die to and what do we die for? Well, we die to the sin that we have, the things that are wrong with us, the things that aren't right with us. 
Why is it this culture thinks that the new God somehow says everything is all right? Do we honestly think everything is all right? Is Peter going to say, come right on in, everything is all right? I don't think so. Peter's going to say, you can't bring that into this kingdom because it doesn't belong here. Why is it our new God says everything is all right and everybody is entitled to whatever opinion they want to? Everybody's been given a mega horn, a blow horn. I went to the Duke football game when I was a little boy with the church in Moorhead City. We rode up to, you know, Durham. Went to the Duke football game. We had a young man in our youth group. His name was Abby Jr. God bless Abby. I love Abby. But Abby sometimes was a little too country when I was a little too rock and roll, I guess. And we got up at Duke, and Abby, he chewed tobacco. He was all country. Had a spittoon going up there on the bus, you know. And uh, I always thought it was funny because he was real good at spitting with that spittoon. And I don't want to get too any way that it's not comfortable. But when we got up there, I, I went and noticed everybody had these big horns at Duke, and they were blowing the horns and tooting the horns. And so I went and got me a horn. I bought me one of those horns. You've seen them, not the little short ones. They had Carolina. They had the big long ones, like trumpets. And I went and got me one, and next thing I know, Abby had snuck away and got him one, and he started blowing the horn. I want you people to know that the people sat down below us. It rained dirty water that day. I won't go any more into description of it. And I laughed the whole time because Abby kept tooting his horn and people kept wiping away whatever was going on. And Duke actually won the football game, which is a miracle in itself back in that day because Duke weren't known as that. See, sometimes we got to give up something to get something. And Paul is saying that for us to enter the kingdom, we have to be a seed. Do you know a seed is dead? It, it, it's dead. That's why it's a seed. And I was a boy, I used to buy the seeds. Remember they'd sell the seeds at school? You'd buy the packets of seeds, and I always bought them because they looked good on the picture, and I never could get what was on the picture to actually come out because I didn't know how. I didn't have a green thumb. And, and, but the seed doesn't know what to do till it's planted and it starts to process and it germinates and is able to know which way to grow and to go to the sun and it starts to have photosynthesis and the seed grows into the plant. And you farmers know that a lot better than I do. But I know that a seed will not grow unless it's planted. Even in the aquaculture, in the water uh, farms, it's still got to be in a nutrient water base to grow. I had a member once that had an aqua farm, and he was having all kinds of success in that. And I thought it was amazing that you could grow a seed inside of a liquid container. But seeds must be planted. In other words, we must die to go to heaven. Now, dying is, is not good. Dying is bad. Dying separates us. Dying is the stoppage of what we have been living our life. But we must understand for us to claim the greater prize, we must, we must let go of the lesser prize. And it sometimes isn't us, it's what we believe. Because what we believe has not been adequate for an eternal God of eternal love. We have not opened up our hearts enough. We have not opened up our 
living enough to accept God's grace of accountability. For this culture right now doesn't want to be told it's in sin, but it is in sin. Let it be known what those people did up there at Chapel Hill yesterday. They were sinning. They were screaming at each other. They were hating on each other. They were dividing each other. And they were playing the fool in front of the images of the video instead of helping each other and lifting up each other and trying to see past the differences to the common nature we have as individuals that we all are in need of God's grace and we all are in need of each other, the golden rule of help thy neighbor. So Jesus is saying that for us to be a resurrection people, we have to be able to be resurrected. And what it means is when we let go of these things, then God can lift us up because these things are weighing us down. I mean, think about it. The systematic attack, every mainline denomination, including the Catholic Church, has been attacked on one front across the nations in the whole world in the past few years. And churches are really now thinking we're all about one issue or another issue instead of not being about issues but being about Jesus. And leadership not able to say, you know, enough is enough. I put up with it in the house long enough, but as this day, this will not be in the house. It's a father saying to the children, don't bring it home because you did it out there. You come in with clean hands and a clean heart and you accept my rule as the father. But therein lies the problem. Because we have people who want to be a little alive and are scared to be alive. They want to have a little authority instead of the greater authority. So what does that mean? That when we are able to let go of the things that hinder us most, then God, he raises us up, it says here in the scripture. He raises us up. He literally lifts us up from the dead state we are into the alive state he calls us to be. He raises up not just our body, but our soul. He raises us up. When I looked at that video, I saw many sad pastors, some I know personally. In fact, one of them I know really good, a wonderful bishop, a good man. And I could see upon his face the sadness and the sorrow and the yearning and desire to somehow make it possible that everybody could just get along and everybody can just live together. And the fact is, have we ever gotten along? Have we ever lived together? We can't even have a committee or even have a group or a gathering without a difference of opinion that now has become a difference of principle. And people are scared to speak because they're scared their words will be somehow twisted to say something they did not say. I had that happen in my seminary at Southeastern. My final year at Southeastern at Wake Forest, there were students who took the audio tapes of the professors and edited them to have professors say things they did not say, and they got kicked out of the seminaries, these professors. And every day I went up there, I preached at them, and I told them what wicked, vile sinners they were, and they said, oh, you're just that old crazy Methodist. Sisters and brothers, if we can't stand for the truth, what can we stand for? And the truth is, we're supposed to love people, not to judge people. 
They find themselves in the ditch. We don't wonder about that. Let the law do that. Let somebody else do that. What we do is we help them. We love them. We show them the grace of God. But we don't sit around and sit in the ditch with them. We don't tell them this life is okay. We point them to a better life. A statistic came out the other day that millennials, those born like 2000 and forward, some of you may fall in that category, 60% of you do not believe in evangelism. In other words, you do not believe in offering Christ to another person. In fact, you think it's morally wrong to do that according to the statistics of the study. I thought to myself, isn't that the strangest thing? Like, if I had, like, um, and I won't use butter beans because I use that way too much. If I had, uh, uh, say, a plate of chocolate cookies, some of you just got hungry when I said that chocolate cookies. It's your weakness. I know, John, you're laughing. If I had a whole plate of chocolate cookies, I can't eat a whole plate of chocolate cookies. I, I'll be sick. I can't handle that much chocolate. My system, some people love chocolate. They could live on chocolate. Me, I can't because I eat a little bit of chocolate. It messes me up. I get all hyper. I start, it just didn't, it makes me feel all itchy all over. I don't like, I love it, but I don't like it. And, and if I had a whole plate, I wouldn't take the whole plate and, and hide it from you. I'd share it with you. I would say, hey, I got some cookies. You want some cookies? Make sure I get two of them, but you can add the rest of them or pass them around. Let's pass them around to cookies. See, see, Jesus isn't just my Jesus. I can't just say he's my Jesus and he's not yours. I want you to know my Jesus and I want to know your Jesus and we're going to know he's the same Jesus. He's the same God of love, the Lord of life, and he calls us to being able to share the gospel I think it's a direct result of the me movement and all the other movements that have been self-based in the past 20 and 30 years that have said you're the most important thing and the truth is we are important but no more important than who we are because we're part of something greater. We're part of a team. We wear one uniform and that's the cross of Jesus the Christ. We play for one purpose and that's the win on the battleground of earth. We are called to be a people who are raised up. That's what they do with banners when they win. They raise them up. That's what they do with flags when we win. We raise them up. The other day was the anniversary at Iwo Jima. When the Marines landed, I had a church member who was one of those young Marines down in Tabor City. He joined when he was 17 years old the Marine Corps, and he was at that battle. And I said, did you see, Mr. Horace, did you see the flag? He said, he said, Pastor, he said, I was too busy ducking. <laughs> he said, I didn't have time because they were shooting at me. And I said, isn't that amazing? And I said, it's just something that you were there. And he said, you want to see something? And I said, what? And he said, come here. And he had a mason jar. You know the old mason jars with the rusty lids? And in that mason jar, there was some uh, dark-looking sand that looked somehow volcanic. And I said, what is that? And he said, that's some of Iwo Jima. And I said, you took the time to scoop up the sand during the battle. He said, oh, no. He said, after the battle and they shipped us out, my boots were full of sand and I didn't know it. He said, and I sent it home. He passed away a few years ago and his son now is an important member of the church. And I know he's so proud of his father for what he did. But on that day, they raised a flag. God forbid our nation ever try to turn down that statue. 
If we go that far, we might as well wrap it up and realize this experiment of democracy that Thomas Jefferson called it. But I know it will succeed because it's based on solid principles, because we as a nation have sacrificed for freedom. It hasn't been handed to us by a foreign army. It hasn't been given to us by politicians. We've earned it through the sacrifice of blood, sweat, and tears, and most of all, by faith under God. See, we are being raised up now. God is raising us up to become what? To become spiritual, Paul says. Paul is saying to be a resurrection person means that we're spiritual. So this morning while I'm standing on Spring Hill Church Road with my very bright flashlight trying to wave cars away from us because they're very dangerous, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a spiritual person, but if they hit me, I'm going to be a physical person. So even though our hearts are called to heaven, our bodies are still here on earth. And just as anyone who jumps out of an airplane knows, gravity tends to pull us down. And life tends to have its way. But God has the greater way. So this is what I hope happens. We'll get a report on Tuesday. We'll know next Sunday we'll have a staff parish. We'll come up with whatever we need to. There's some meetings that will be coming up as the church discusses its way forward. Understand we are not worried about that here at Spring Hill because we know what God is doing in our midst. We're going to continue to do what we're doing. But I can tell you this, we're going to come out stronger because we'll be able to clearly say that we're a church of the Bible. We're a church of the gospel. And we're the church of redeeming love. Sin will always be sin from this pulpit as long as I'm here. But more importantly, grace will always be grace. Because it's not the measure of a man's sin that I've ever judged. It's the measure of God's grace that I pray for and know can help redeem no matter what. And every one of us, even with times that we don't deserve it, may end up in a ditch. We may be in a position that we don't understand. Turn to God and let God be the one to raise you up and know that love has the power to overcome all things. Sisters and brothers, life is shorter than I had ever thought it would be. But eternity is far longer than I ever dreamed it would be. Let us pray. Open up our hearts that we may grow in love more with each other and know what it means to be in love with you. Lord, let us claim this love in all that we do. Let us come humbly and meekly before the cross and Lord, carry our burdens that we have. Today we have many. We have worries and we have concerns inside and outside. Lord, let us know that no matter where we find ourselves, we are the ones to help others and sometimes we are being helped. But no matter where we find ourselves, you, Jesus, the Christ, are raising us up. Just as the sun comes up in the morning, you rise up in our lives and give us hope. Lord, let us know that our purpose is to share this living gospel, this loving gospel, this redeeming gospel with the world. We're not here to tell the world. We're here to show the world. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray, amen.